All right, glad you're with us. You know, uh, my Cracker Jack team here on radio, I did not see this anywhere today. I'm not sure when it was said. Apparently, Rick Wilson, one of the Lincoln Project leaders, I guess. You know, a lot of people have asked me, why don't you, why don't you speak out more against them? Because I really just, there's only so much bandwidth airtime that I have, and I just don't care. And I, what I mean by that is, I guess I'm far more tolerant than liberals are. We already know that, the cancel culture. It's the left against conservatives. Have you, are you, have you ever been a supporter of President Donald J. Trump? And you're an insurrectionist. I mean, it's this is how insane and maddening and frustrating all of this is, while simultaneously ignoring uh we got new cuts on pelosi today too but simultaneously ignoring the statements of schumer on the steps of the supreme court you won't know what hit you kavanaugh and gorsuch and of course kamala harris her bail fund after the precinct burn of the ground in minneapolis and the riots in that city and now we're not going to stop this shouldn't you stop and we shouldn't stop either and you better be where you better take note i'm like woo. Or Nancy Pelosi's many comments. I mean, it's been everywhere. It's it's it, the double standard is breathtaking. But listen to Rick Wilson, part of this, you know, I hate Trump Republican group, which, by the way, if you're going to claim you're a conservative, and I don't have any problems with Joe Scarborough. I just don't care. I knew him years ago. Um, OK, now he's a big liberal. that says I'm a Republican. No, you're not a Republican. You're you. If you're hanging back in the Obama years, doing the show from the White House lawn of of President Obama and I don't, him and his beef with with Trump is between them two. They're they're both adults. I don't really care what they what they're fighting over. It's not it's really none of my business. I don't care. You know, I just kind of laugh to myself, really, the people that support John McCain and say to conservatives, you got to do it for the good of the country. You got to, you know, it's the lesser of two evils and, you know, begging for conservative support, knowing that John McCain is a liberal Republican, knowing that Mitt Romney's a more liberal Republican. I think Romney at least used to be better than McCain. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but, you know, but but just listen to this. It's chilling. It is absolutely, it should put a chill up your spine the way he rationalizes away something as as deep and profound and constitutional and part of, I thought, America's DNA, which is something as simple as freedom of speech and even speech you may not like. But notice, they don't apply the insurrection standard to any liberal Democrat ever. And they're willing to take on radical extreme socialism of the squad and company, the new Democratic Socialist Party, and and help them elect the most radical agenda ever stated by a major political party because they don't like, at the end of the day, it comes down to they don't like Donald Trump's style. Listen. This whiny victimhood from Matt Gates and Ken Buck and Jim Jordan and Marjorie Taylor Cuckoo QAnon Green and all these other people. It is the most pathetic example of special pleading I've ever seen. They act as if they've been oppressed somehow, that the world is against them somehow. Well, guess what? Twitter and Facebook aren't banning you because you're a conservative. They're banning you because you suck. They're banning you because you say evil They're banning you because you support a revolution against the government of this country and a free and fair election. 
This is the most remarkable thing about this to me is all these tough guy swagger monkeys who act like they're the big, you know, alpha males. They're whining and and moaning about Kathy Griffith holding up a, a, an anime, a, a mannequin head or Nancy Pelosi tearing up a piece of paper. Come on, guys, toughen up. They're banning you because you suck, you irredeemable, deplorable Walmart uh, shopping, you know, clinging to your God, your Second Amendment, your Bibles, your religion. That's why there is this level of just self-righteous sanctimony among those and contempt now for anyone that, that dares, you know, have a difference of opinion. It's just it's it's unbelievable because, you know, there's actually a pretty good piece. I was going to get to it later in the program, and I will. Um, Josh Hawley wrote, you know, in, I guess in preparation of the release of his book about cancel culture, culture, you know, welcome to life in the new cancel culture. It's that bad. And, you know, then Glenn Greenwald actually put out a, a pretty interesting piece, too, saying, yeah, you guys are going to be next. Unleash this monster. One day it'll come for you. I, and I'm at, almost at the point where, all right, 25 years in TV, 33 years in radio, uh, probably a good thing I'm not starting my career because the odds of survival, even though I've dealt with this the entire time, this cancel culture, just haven't really, I just didn't think any of you really want to hear what we deal with every day if you're a conservative on the air and the millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars that are spent annually to shut us down, silence us, boycott us. Get us removed from the airways any way we can. I, I can't force anybody to listen. It goes back to my defense of, like, even going back to Howard Stern. And con they were conservatives then that wanted to, to shut him down. They were wrong to do it. Or canceling Bill Maher, politically correct on ABC, incorrect. Um, that was wrong. Conservatives were the most outspoken. Guys like me, I was on the air at the time. I hate Bill Maher, but I don't care if he's on the air. If I don't like it, I don't have to watch it, and I don't watch it. But that that's the point. Let the American people decide. Now, what's happening, and I'm just giving you the, the my take as of today, but, of course, the swamp being the swamp, the sewer being the sewer, Republicans being weak, feckless, visionless, lacking a spine and a backbone, you know, that could change. But it seems more and more unlikely every single day. The the news. Look, I've not confirmed it, but there is a source telling all the different news media, apparently even Fox News, because they sent out a memo on it today that uh, that Justice Roberts will not preside over the impeachment trial. Uh, the next in line. I mean, the Constitution is clear that would be his role. I mean, that is a loud statement by John Roberts. He's screaming unconstitutionality here. And so the next in line would probably be the vice president of the Senate, which were well, the president of the Senate, which would be Kamala Harris. That would be a joke. Or Pat Leahy, the oldest member of the Senate. I guess now we're hearing it's going to be Leahy. And it was interesting today because the Supreme Court handed uh, Donald Trump a victory. You'll never hear about it on the mob and the media by the mob. As the Supreme Court threw out disputes today, claiming Trump profited from his presidency through financial interest in his private company and breach of the Constitution's emoluments clause, uh, quote, the high court sent the case brought by a government watchdog group and the attorneys generals of Maryland, D.C., back to the lower courts with instructions to dismiss them as moot as Mr. Trump is no longer in office and vacated the opinions against him. 
That's exactly what happened here. Initially filed 2017, claiming Trump violated the Constitution's foreign and domestic emoluments clauses through his financial interest, ownership in hotels and restaurants, and the provisions prohibit the president from accepting any gift. I mean, this was a stretch from the from the beginning, but probably an indication that, in fact, this the, the court wants no part of this, and they see right through what the Democrats are trying to do here. Now, the pressure is also ratcheting upwards against the Democrats. They're getting more uncomfortable by the day now that they've the House with their snap impeachment and investigators where even the mob, the media covering their asses have to print like the Washington Post or write about. I guess they don't say it on TV because they act just the opposite on air. Uh, that This impeachment that investigators now are discovering more and more every day. And we went into detail last week into what they've been reporting that, in fact, this was pre-planned that they and this is why we need the 9-11 style commission report, because this can't happen in this country ever again. And that there was an, an orchestrated attack, pre-planned attack. Well, that directly contradicts the even the language in the impeachment article about how the incitement happened because of the rhetoric of Donald Trump when he dared to say many of you will now peacefully and patriotically march to the Capitol so your voices can be heard. And uh, the other thing that is emerging is you've got more and more Republicans have finally caught up to what we've been doing on this show and on Hannity, which is we're actually playing the words of Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, uh, Kamala Harris, Joe Biden. I'm going to take him back at the gym and beat the hell out of him. I'm going to take Trump out tonight, Maxine Waters. Um, but GOP senators now, more and more of them every day, are, are looking at the unconstitutionality of it and saying so, including John Cornyn on Fox today and Senator Tom Cotton and Marco Rubio, uh, you know, was very outspoken about it this weekend and, and pretty much everybody, um, even Mitch McConnell, according to reports on this call with the caucus said, no, I don't see this as constitutional at all, which is probably why Cornyn said what he said. Uh, but the Democrats now are scared because they know that it, it ain't going to happen. There's not going to be a conviction that it's likely going to impact Biden and all of them because it's seen as nakedly political and agenda driven and just them trying to get their revenge and, a, you know, go just attack Donald Trump. Uh, he's now out of office, guys. Pick up here. Anyway, so um, we're watching that. Rubio literally said it was stupid, bad for the country. He's right. So is every other Republican senator now coming out, with the exception, of course, Mitt Romney. The same Mitt Romney that's supported the last impeachment, one of the two articles voting to convict, and yet made every excuse manageable for quid pro quo Joe and zero experience Hunter. You know, is Mitt Romney going to impeach? to similarly condemn the language of Pelosi and Schumer and Kamala and Joe and every other Democrat, if that's what his standard is, the answer is no. So I guess any day now we could expect an announcement from Mitt Romney's joining the Democratic Party. Wouldn't surprise me one bit. Um, anyway, so again, the Constitution means something. And it was actually Rand Paul who broke it on my TV show Friday that that Roberts wasn't going to go forward with this. 
it's a sequel as bad as the original, the Ukraine one, and then also a never-ending assault on the Constitution of the United States. And I think that's what Roberts is communicating. Um, anyway, Trump will take over legislators, says Maxine Waters, little towns and cities, if not convicted for the insurrection. By the way, did anyone remember? We're going to pull this and play this tonight on Hannity. Nancy Pelosi was actually praising people in Wisconsin when they stormed the Capitol. Remember, you know, Democrats were occupying capitals, I guess, and there's Democrats were supporting it before they were against it. Anyway, on record, the storming of the Capitol in Wisconsin, impressive show of democracy in action. <laughs> uh, it just the hypocrisy just never stops. If it wasn't so bad, it'd be funny. Um, anyway, so Democrats would need the support of 17 Republicans. Just look, it's Washington. It's the swamp. As of today, this is dead. It's just an it's going to be theater, political theater with both sides acting out a role and probably both sides wanting it to end as quickly as possible. Begins February 8th, the shift show. And I would guess probably ends in less than a week. But we'll see if I'm right again, pending any changes in the swamp and sewer. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the uh, program. We've got a whole list of the mess that Biden has created in just a few short days. Hannity's criticizing Joe Biden. He called him weak and frail and cognitively struggling. Like, yeah, I've been only, only been saying that every single day. And then I'm like, okay, let's play the best of Joe Biden. I did it on TV the other night. Um, and I'm like, you decide. Is that somebody that's cognitively struggling or not? And Donald like, Trump. Not, Donald not right Trump. Now. We won't play now. It's it's like it's okay. Everybody, every single solitary person I meet, I see, ask me about it. Everybody, even Democrats, the few that I know now that even talk to me, but even they are like, yeah. Uh, and when he speaks, oh, I'm just like, I'm like, okay, please, please, okay, that's enough. Get away. Don't do it anymore. We're done. Because um, they're not stupid. They know. And they didn't care. This was, you know, let's protect Joe. Big tech protects Joe. The mob media protects Joe. Democrats, they go out. They protect Joe. Why? Because Joe, you know, is not Donald Trump. That's really the whole thing. And look what they're buying. Look, they bought it. They broke it. They own it. They bought it. It's theirs. Okay, let's see how good these great socialist policies, utopia is going to be for the country. It's pretty fascinating now that Trump is, uh, sorry, Biden is replaced. I'll use Jim Acosta's words. President in exile, Donald Trump. Uh, and is now, uh, oh, he's putting a, a xenophobic, hysterical travel ban in effect. Well, hang on a second. I thought it was xenophobia and hysteria. Anyway, Bernie Sanders, as far as we can see, they're going to push Joe Biden to the left. Does that surprise anybody? Biden reeled in a staggering amount of what they call dark money during the 2020 election, literally smashing previous records. This was in the Washington Examiner. In other words, a record-breaking amount of donations. Uh, during this election cycle, despite his party's long-held belief that such money should be severely regulated. Oh, no, we only do that for Republicans. Uh, Keith laid off workers of the Keystone XL pipeline there. 
Yeah, that, that's going to hurt a lot of families at a time when uh, many families are already hurting. We'll explain next. All right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. Uh, yeah, I mentioned, all right, so now the hysterical, xenophobic travel bans are back in effect. You know, the first case of corona showed up in this country, uh, what, one day ago yesterday, first identified case. Travel ban was put into place the, the 31st of January last year. Look at what one pandemic, look at how our lives have changed. Um, it's unbelievable. All right, <laughs> Linda, why are you asking? Because you saw all this press at me saying, for some reason, all these times that I've said the weak, the frail, the cognitively struggling Joe Biden, uh, I mean, I've said it for well over a year now. And I mean, we, our highlight reel has just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And it takes up bigger portions of the program whenever I play it. Why are you, why are you requesting another play of it? Because I finally well, said, okay, if you guys are going to criticize for me, if you think it's unfair, I'll let you watch for yourself. In this case, like people can listen for themselves and decide if he's, you know, the same Joe that left four years ago. This is why, good stuff, why, man. Why, what's that? It's good stuff. I think it deserves to be played. You know, I mean, you're reading it and that's nice and everything, but it really would be nice to hear this person, you know, literally he's doing his absolute best to put two words together and form a sentence. All right. By request only the (laughs) weak, frail, cognitively struggling Joe, but we'll let you, the listener, decide. Donald care. Donald Trump doesn't understand health care. Donald Trump thinks health care is a privilege. Barack and I think it's a right for people to have bad care. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true international effort to pressure, isolate, and punish China. I'm running as a proud Democrat for the Senate. I got in trouble when we were running against the senator who was a Mormon, the governor, okay? Look, tomorrow's Superstar Tuesday, and I want to thank you all. I tell you what, I'm rushing ahead, aren't I? We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the go, you know the you know the thing. If you agree with me, go to Joe 30330. We choose truth over facts. Play the radio. Make sure the television, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone. Make sure the kids hear words. Donald Trump does pose an excellent strength to this. The, it's not hypothetical. All right, play the record player. Make sure kids hear words. You didn't think that was worth it? That was really <laughs> worth it. It, it. Listen, I don't get sick of it. I just try not to make sure. I mean, why I want to make sure the audience doesn't get sick of it. And, and for people that don't know, Joe 30330, when he said it, meant nothing. Absolutely nothing. What was the name of the the other candidate at the time? That's, I forget Yang. which one. Andrew Yang, Andrew maybe? Yang. I don't know. What's that? Yang. What? Yang. All right. He's... I don't even know. Is this guy who's running for mayor now against Comrade de Blasio? Do you know, I, one I don't of those. Know. I have to look. All right. Anyway, and when he said we hold these truths to be self-evident and all men and women are created equal, endowed by. Oh, oh it's too long. Uh, the thing, you know, the thing, the thing, God that created everything. Oh, yeah. The creator. You're right. You know, it's Andrew guy. Yang. You know, the Mormon guy. Uh, that okay the guy that was the governor that was the mormon i'm like are you kidding me oh you can't make this blank up you just can't you know um 
But this they now they've now put this on the country. I will tell you this: allowing this guy to hide in his basement, big tech, the mob in the media, Democrats, they just had a strategy. Don't let him speak, and we'll do all the the work of bloodying up Trump for you. Yeah, Andrew Yang is facing a, a media backlash. Uh, what was he comparing? What movement? So I forgot BDS. to fascism. It was on what Fox News. But the point, that really wasn't the point. The point was that we're talking about he's running for, for mayor of New York. I mean, if we thought de Blasio was bad, I mean, my yeah. God. Didn't isn't he the guy that also said, yeah, I'm, I'm living in upstate New York or Connecticut or whatever he was. I'm not living in one of these two-bedroom apartments with my kid's home. I'm like, oh, man. Well, what about the people that don't have the option of going to their other home? Happen to be a lot of people. Um, anyway, I told you about, you know, Bernie Sanders pretty much admitting that they're going to control Trump and the agenda. And we cannot reach out to Republicans indefinitely. Now, of course, they're moving forward with their plan to end the legislative filibuster. That's all coming, too. Um, And then you've got, let's see, Democrats attempt to purge civil uh, servants from a job over prior work for Devin Nunes. Told you about this guy, Michael Ellis, last served as a former senior director for intelligence for the National Security Council. By the way, he worked for the for Schiff himself. He was Schiff's guy. Navy Reserve Intelligence Officer, Yale graduate, Jeopardy winner. Applied for his position January 2020. Went through an extensive months-long vetting process. And now they're accusing him just to get rid of him because they think he's connected to Trump. Uh, of, well, he might have been involved in mishandling uh, classified information, the very thing Hillary Clinton did, but they didn't give a flying rip about. Uh, according to reports, readout from a call, White House said, emphasis added, that he used his first telephone conversation with the president of Mexico on Saturday to bash Trump. And uh, anyway, apparently the president of Mexico, you know, called, spoke with Biden on different issues. The president outlined his plan basically for open borders, reducing Migration by increasing migration. That, that's what the headline is on that. And uh, anyway, so we'll have to see what that happens there. Durbin confirming if the GOP doesn't basically take the Democrats' radical socialist agenda, they're going to end the legislative filibuster. Just like we learned last week, they want to push for D.C. statehood. A lot of questions that could have been asked while Joe Biden was a candidate hiding in his basement. Um, You know, I'm telling you what's happening. If I'm Russia, hostile actors that they are, hostile regime led by a hostile actor in Putin or President Xi, you know, hostile regime, hostile actor, president for life or the mullahs in Iran, saber rattling. Everybody, they're doing backflips over Joe because they know Joe's weak. And in the case of many of these countries, I'm telling you to mark my words, this Hunter Biden stuff and the money from Kazakhstan nationals and Russian nationals and Chinese nationals and oligarchs in Russia and Kazakhstan and the Burisma deal uh, and the Bank of China deal. Let me tell you something. There's strings attached to all of this. And don't for a second think that these countries have our best intention at heart. And, you know, at the end of the day, the people that will do backflips over the 
you know, America no longer being energy independent and not besides the people that are losing their good paying career jobs are going to be Russia and China and every Middle Eastern country that hates our guts because, yes, they'll be making those countries rich again. I mean, it's 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 pretty unbelievable. I'm from Mexico. I'm happy. The wall is going to come down, open immigration, amnesty. Yeah. Well, what do you think is going to happen? They're just going to encourage more and more of this. There won't be any vetting, I don't think, for COVID. I don't think the mask mandate message of Joe is going to be, uh, you know, people that aren't respecting our laws, our borders, our sovereignty are going to particularly care about Joe's mandate either at the end of the day. Uh, Maxine Waters, Trump will take over legislators, legislatures and, and little towns and cities, if not convicted for insurrection. But it's OK. She's I'm going to take Trump out tonight, get in their faces. They're not wanted anywhere anymore, anytime, blah, blah, blah. Get a crowd, create a crowd. And it's pretty unbelievable. It really is so many different ways. Um, Biden fired the head of the U.S. funded international broadcasters over alleged President Trump support. One of the biggest mistakes I think President Trump made when he came into office, he didn't get rid of all these deep state operatives and really put people that supported him and his policies in place. Because so many people we now know work to undermine him. Anyway, so we're watching this agenda. You know, there's a, there's a story. Out, where did I see this today? I think it was on foxnews.com. You have Keystone XL pipeline worker. This is one person, but, you know, the project would have sustained, I don't know, in this particular article, it says 11,000 jobs. But then when you look at, you know, even the Biden administration with Obama, they, they estimated that $2 billion impact to the economy just the keystone xl pipeline anyway first they, and these are the unions and pete put Buddha, judge saying yeah well we want you to get another job another union job well, what's wrong with the union job they had remember the pipe union pipe fitters uh or pipeliners local union 798 one of four unions whose members will be left without work thanks to the keystone xl pipelines cancellation is a welder from arkansas First to be laid off after the order last week. You know, guess what? His life just was turned upside down. He's a welding foreman, began working on a pipe on pipeline construction as an apprentice in 1997. This is not a time to be making political statements. We need to be finding ways to put more Americans back to work, not the other way around, you think? And every family now impacted by this, this is really going, this is going to create upheaval on a level that I guess Pete Buttigieg is out of totally out of touch with. He just got a new job. I don't consider this a job. I consider it my career. You know, you spend a lifetime of building your skills and fine-tuning your skills, and if you go start another job, you start at the bottom. I doubt these politicians would like it if someone told them to go start over and find a different job. No, that's what's going to happen. Now you have... Illegal immigrants that now are going to be legalized, they'll be competing for few jobs. Anyway, Biden's to reinstate the COVID travel ban. That's my favorite. Uh, let's see. What else do we got today? Democratic senator says, of course, the Senate should consider ending the filibuster. That's now that's now happening. Even McCarthy said that Biden is putting America last and now has put China first. 
There's going to be long-term impl- implications here. One expert from the American Petroleum Institute says as many as a million jobs are going to be impacted just by the Keystone XL pipeline cancellation. It's you know They delay it first for 60 days, then it's over. Oh, did you know the presidential motorcade stopped so that Hunter's zero experience that he has could go out to a, his favorite bagel shop and make a bagel and coffee run? The entire the entire thing stopped because of him. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. By the way, you may, as American taxpayers, foot the bill for San Francisco's homeless hotels. Well, that's going to be great. Former Iranian hostage slam Biden's Iran envoy pick. This is just the tip of the iceberg here. Anyway, um, the guy spent more than three years in an Iranian prison and was freed by Trump in, in 2019 Raised numerous concerns about Biden. He's going to tap this guy, Robert Malley, envoy to Iran, veteran of foreign policy, actually fired from former President Barack Obama's 2008 campaign after it was revealed he held, let's see, unauthorized talks with Hamas, the Iranian-backed terror group that has murdered Americans. Yeah, that might have been a good reason to fire him. Why is Joe hiring him? Next to nobody has any confidence Joe's going to unite the country. There's a poll out only one in five Americans. And, yeah, the president supports D.C. statehood and will cut migration by raising migration. You just you can't make this mess up. It's pretty bad. You know, you add to that the muzzling of Americans. You know, Josh Hawley has a great piece out today. I didn't even know, you know, you have a credit score. He said, you know, there's a social media score. I mean, I've never heard of this before. I read this column today. It's a credit score. We all know what that is. But anyway, um, if you look at your social credit score, his went down dramatically. Why? Because he has a different view, part of cancel culture. The latest former cancel culture, corporate monopolies on the left, team up, shut down speech they don't like, big tech, for example. Those who believe in first uh, freedom of speech, the First Amendment. You know, I like what Glenn Greenwald said. He actually said, you unleash this monster. One day it's going to come for you. It's just true. It's just it's going to it's it's going to reverberate. It's going to have a, a shock impact all of society. That is a, a chill, you know, where any people can't say anything anymore. It's, you know, pretty scary. Did anyone see this video? What happened? This guy from Atlanta comes up on a bus from Atlanta to New York City about 12 people beat the living hell out of this guy. Literally jumping in the air and, and landing their feet on him and pounding and kicking and just just unbelievable violence. I'll show you on TV tonight. Sad. You know, this, this is what happens when you cut a billion dollars from the police budget. Like they did in New York. It's what happens when you defund the police which Kamala Harris supported in Los Angeles and elsewhere. Of course, the bail fund for those people involved in this activity. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show. Glad you're with us. 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of this extravaganza, as we've been reporting to you, uh, more and more uh, Republicans now, growing number of GOP senators. You know, this is ridiculous, even as Marco Rubio said uh, John Cornyn on Fox earlier today, saying, you know, this is not constitutional. 
Uh, and you could tell that uh, it is now losing as much steam as possible. It's silly is what Rubio said. Bad for the country, almost everybody's saying. And uh, the only one that Republican that's all for this is shockingly Mitt Romney. What a shock. Um, Mitt Romney. Well, if he's going to apply that standard, then Mitt, you got to apply it to Joe, just like you gave him a pass and zero experience Hunter a pass on Ukraine. So you're not exactly getting high grades in the consistency uh, department. But being a person of Washington, uh, I'm not surprised. Um, anyway, let's take a little trip down memory lane, shall we? Let, let's go back. The year is 1998. The impeachment is that of William Jefferson Clinton. And we actually, at the time, had people like Schumer and Nadler and Pelosi uh, that were very outspoken in Washington about it. Let's see if their views are consistent uh, or inconsistent like Romney. Today, we are upping the ante. The president could be removed from office over a matter that most Americans feel doesn't come close to the level of high crimes and misdemeanors as written in our Constitution. I expect history will show that we've lowered the bar on impeachment so much we have broken the seal on this extremely stream, stream penalty so cavalierly that it will be used as a routine tool to fight political battles. My fear is that when a Republican wins the White House, Democrats will demand payback. Benjamin Franklin called impeachment a substitute for assassination. It is, in fact, a peaceful procedure for protecting the nation from despots by providing a constitutional means for removing a president who would misuse his presidential power to make himself a tyrant or otherwise to undermine our constitutional form of government. To impeach a president, it must be that serious. The effect of impeachment is to overturn the popular will of the voters as expressed in a national election. We must not overturn an election and remove a president from office except to defend our very system of government or our constitutional liberties against a dire threat. And we must not do so without an overwhelming consensus of the American people and of their representatives in Congress of the absolute necessity. There must never be a narrowly voted impeachment or an impeachment substantially supported by one of our major political parties and largely opposed by the other. Such an impeachment would lack legitimacy, would produce divisiveness and bitterness in our politics for years to come, and will call into question the very legitimacy of our political institutions. Right now we have a, a situation where any and all grievances that anybody ever had with the president are being heaped on and uh, talking about impeachment without even defining what the laws may have been that were broken with applying the facts to them uh, without even defining if even if those laws were broken, if that amounts to an impeachable offense. I uh, and there you have it. Now, by the way, are we going to like go back and look at the rhetoric of Kamala Harris? <laughs> ironically, maybe presiding over the shift show in the Senate, which will be laughable. John Roberts wants apparently, according to reports, no part of this. Uh, are we going to go back and look at Schumer on the steps of the U.S. Supreme Court threatening Gorsuch and Kavanaugh? You won't know what hit you and much more. Maxine Waters, I'm going to take Trump out tonight and I can keep going. Uh, and are we going to, are they now going to be held to the same standard as Donald Trump, who said many of you will now peacefully and patriotically 
March to the Capitol so your voices may be heard. Never mind the emerging evidence that shows that apparently there were leaders and people that organized uh, a lot of what we saw January 6th. It doesn't it's not exculpatory for those people that perhaps spontaneously got involved in this. That was really dumb. And that can't happen in this country. But uh, the evidence now getting apparently more overwhelming. My sources tell me by the day now being reported even by The Washington Post and fake news, CNN. Well, they're pretty much all fake news. Uh, But then, of course, you get to the, you know, how did the president incite something that was apparently planned as specific groups, according to The Washington Post, entered the Capitol from separate sides and left early so they could pick up pre-positioned Molotov cocktails and and other things that uh, they brought into the Capitol. Anyway, here to weigh in on all this, Greg Jarrett. He's the host of The the Brief, his podcast, and author of two New York Times number one bestsellers, Jordan Seculo, executive director, ACLJ, and also co-host Jay Seculo Live and his best-selling book, The Next Red Wave. Uh, thank you both for being with us. Uh, you wrote a, a great piece on this again, Greg Jarrett. Let me start with you. And I just don't see this now happening. I, I, I think that the tide has turned and snap impeachment now that the facts are beginning to slowly creep out that it was planned. Well, that directly contradicts the Democrats' articles in their snap impeachment. Right. And as I wrote today, this is retaliation masquerading as impeachment. Uh, these lawmakers that voted for impeachment and Democrats in the Senate who are all for it are contorting the meaning of the Constitution's impeachment clause. Take a moment to just read the text of Article 2 of the Constitution. It states, the president shall be removed from office on impeachment. Well, who's the president? It's not Trump any longer. The president, as the Constitution defines it, is Joe Biden. This is exactly why John Roberts, Chief Justice, is refusing to preside. I mean, Greg, do we know for sure, by the way, on that point? Because I've read it and I've heard everybody say it. Rand Paul told me Friday night on Hannity. uh, Apparently, he has told people that he is unwilling to essentially breach the Constitution. His role is defined. It says the Chief Justice shall preside over the impeachment of the president. Well, it's not Joe Biden who's being impeached. It's a former president, a guy who's already left office. And so... You know, a growing number of Republicans want to file a dismissal motion to argue the Senate lacks jurisdiction and authority to hold an impeachment trial of a private citizen who cannot be removed from office because it's impossible to expel a person from office that he's already left. And so, you know, the primary purpose of impeachment, if you read Article 2, says it's removal from office. So this belated Senate trial of a former president is invalid, it's unconstitutional, and everybody truly knows it, but Democrats are refusing to publicly say it because they're out for revenge. That's that's what this is, the politics of revenge. Could you imagine now in impeachment for other offices besides the presidency, you know, there were occasions where a VP might preside over it or maybe the ranking member. I guess the the person that's been there the longest is, you know, 452 years, I believe, Pat Leahy, uh, Jordan Seculo. Um, I mean, that would just further add to the shift show circus that the Democrats will create. And my intelligence and my sources are telling me 
Uh, Democrats are getting very skittish and really don't want any part of it because it's a foregone conclusion that they're not going to convict. It'd be a round two of acquitting Donald Trump. And, you know, I was right before coming on the air, I was watching, you know, watching the cable news networks. And it's amazing that, you know, now, you know, a week into the, the Biden presidency and every network, no network was talking about Joe Biden. Every network was talking about Donald Trump. He's not even able to communicate right now in normal social, you know, social media outlets. And on top of that, it does look like, by the way, uh, based off of calls we were just on with Senate staff, that Patrick Leahy is going to be presiding over this, and he'll still be able to vote. But to me, uh, like that or not, it also just shows that John Roberts, the Chief Justice not being there, you can't point to the Constitution and say, this is the same kind of impeachment. And this legal debate over whether or not they have the power, to me, it, 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 that's a moot point, because the Senate should be more, I think, a more respected body and be able to decide, you know, when should they use the power. But, you know, they're going to move forward with the trial. We know we have a trial date now. And the president's going to be acquitted for the second time in about a year and two months. And they, they, they want to prevent, they want to do anything they can to tarnish him. I think they especially like that they can tarnish him right now. And he's not able to speak out. He's, you know, there's other people, there's people like us that are speaking out. Uh, uh, for him, that, that but he's not able to take to it and really hit them the way that he would throw punches. And it's just, to, to me, Sean, it's an, they had maybe a moment in time where they could imagine 17 Republicans joining them. And that moment in time lasted seconds. And then they put together a team, which is so offensive to Republicans. So Jamie Raskin, who voted to decertify Donald Trump's election, and Eric Swalwell with his Chinese spy scandal. And Ted Lieu, who was harassing us because we represent the president, would harass us on Twitter, a congressman. They put for them to take the case to the U.S. Senate, and they know they've got to convince 17 Republicans. It's just like picking Adam Schiff and Jerry Nadler again. Well, I don't, I don't think it's going to end the way they want, but I also think that it's now a foregone conclusion. So now it's just going to be a show trial. And, you know, how does this impact Joe Biden, Mr. Unity, 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 Unity? Um, as he sits on the sidelines, scared to death to ever once challenge his his radical base, which based on, you know, just a few days in office uh, have made it that pretty much they're running the government. I doubt Joe Biden had any say input into these, you know, 17 on day one um, executive orders that he passed and the other one since, Greg. Yeah, Joe Biden vowed to show leadership the moment he was sworn in that he was going to foster unity. Uh, and yet he is taking no leadership role at all. He has not stood up to these renegade rogue Democrats who are determined to impeach a guy who's already left office. Um, and, you know, says basically, oh, you know, gosh, it's, it's their decision. The, you know, I have long argued that Joe Biden doesn't have the intellect or the leadership skills to be a good president of the United States. He is a puppet. He, the de facto presidents are Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. They I take issue with that. I, I think it's Ocasio-Cortez is the <laughs> real Speaker of the House. And I think Nancy yeah. Pelosi's scared to death of her. And I think Schumer's scared to death of this radical base. Let's make it a trio de facto presidency then. Uh, but, but the point of the matter is that uh, this is so self-destructive of Democrats. And, of course, you know, they have long and distinguished history, uh, the left, of overplaying their hand. And what they're doing is 
they're destroying uh, any possibility that Joe Biden at the out administration during the so-called honeymoon period of goodwill that he'll be able to pass through legislation uh, his agenda. You know, it, it, he is not putting a stop to what it is they're doing, which is sabotaging the president of the United States. And it's because Joe Biden historically has been a nice guy, but has never shown one instance of leadership. The one time he had the ability to lead during the Clarence Thomas Judiciary Committee hearing in which he was chairman, it was a complete fiasco. And that was because Joe Biden showed no leadership and utterly fumbled and mishandled the case. And not much has changed since then. And we got some news developments about the declassified uh, documents uh, we received in the final hours of the Trump administration with John Solomon. Um, And then we'll get to the cancel culture issue. All right. Bottom line, Greg Jarrett, how does this all end? It starts on February 8th. Well, the impeachment trial will end in an easy acquittal. This is, you know, impeachment, the sequel. It's as bad as the original. And as I said earlier, it's an assault on the Constitution. This is not what the framers intended, a retroactive impeachment. Uh, What is to stop future Congresses from holding retroactive impeachment of federal officials in order to prevent them from holding office yet again? Absolutely nothing. So this sets a dangerous precedent. When are people going to get fed up with the duplicity and the hypocrisy of people? And you played their sound bites of Jerry Nadler and Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi on one day because it hurts their party. They're against impeachment on another when they think it helps them. They're all in favor of it. What fraud. Jordan, real quick, we only have about 15 seconds. Yeah, listen, President Trump will be acquitted, but half the country will feel like the other half the country wants to impeach and cancel them. And so in a sense, this impeachment is even worse because I think people are taking it personally because this president is a private citizen right now, and it's trying to cancel him out and cancel out what he stood for and the policies that he stood for, which are still very popular with half the country. But it will end with the president once again being vindicated by the United States Senate. All right, Jordan Seculo and Greg Jarrett, 800 941 we will update you next on the declassification of documents, final days, Trump administration, then back to cancel culture and much more uh, as we continue. Glad you're with us, 800 941 our number. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800 941 our number. You want to be a part of the program. We're not going to let up. We're not going to stop. Uh, history needs to be properly recorded. Not that I have a, a whole lot of faith anymore in the Durham, quote, never-ending investigation, special counsel, whatever. I just don't. But, you know, we are because of the the final, you call it a document dump in D.C., finally the declassification of these documents in the final waning days of the president's administration uh, are extraordinarily revealing and this is stuff which, again, just makes one scratch their head and wonder. Two years waited for ins- Inspector General Horowitz to get the report. Uh, there are numerous referrals in that report uh, for, well, the same exact things that people like Roger Stone and Manafort and others were, you know, harassed for years about. But nothing's been done. Nobody's been held accountable. Anyway, we now understand that in the spring of 2017, Andrew McCabe, deputy FBI director, apparently was summoned to the Justice Department for a high-level Sunday morning meeting 
led by then Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein. Remember, he signed the fourth and final FISA application, by which time we already had Christopher Steele on record, we now know as a result of the declassified documents and the subsource of Steele, Steele admitting that the only reason he was pushing his stupid dossier that he knew was full of crap uh, was to help Hillary Clinton divert attention away from the email server issues. Yes, they were real crimes. Uh, Yes, it was a real violation of the Espionage Act, 18 U.S.C. 793. And yes, subpoenaed emails were deleted and bleach pit was real and hammers and devices and SIM cards and all that happened. That would put any one of us, we, the little people, I guess, all of us will be in jail. The irredeemable, deplorable, smelly Walmart shopping uh, people that we are. Anyway, uh, McCabe showed up thinking it was a coordination and logistic issues meeting for the special counsel, then taking over Robert Mueller. Then he found himself to be the subject of the discussion, and Rosenstein wanted McCabe to recuse himself as the then, I guess, temporary FBI director from the Russia probe because McCabe's wife had run from office. That was pointed out by President Trump many times in Virginia. And yet Clinton ally Terry McAuliffe, you know, raising massive sums of money that you don't really get for a state and local race um, because of, well, at least the appearance of impropriety. You may also remember that you know, McCabe and the IG report saying that he lacked candor. And, and that's where the inspector general made a referral. Well, what was the whole charge? Say, you know, Stone Manafort. Look at Roger Stone lying to Congress. Well, that got him 29 men in tactical gear and frogmen in a pre-dawn raid. Guns drawn, CNN cameras rolling and the hell that they put him through. It's the exact same thing. Anyway, you might. This is McCabe denying it and rejecting the IG report. Michael Horowitz said no reason to lie, but anyway, here's what McCabe said at the time. I never intentionally misled anyone about anything, and I certainly have not committed a crime. Um, I was asked questions on two separate occasions about an article that had appeared months before. Um, I was asked questions completely unprompted in the middle of other uh, far more intense and challenging uh, issues that were swirling around me at the time. when I thought after the fact that those answers may have been inaccurate or mistaken, I reached out to those folks to make sure that they understood exactly what I meant and understood exactly what the situation was. Well, if you, you know, you just listen to this guy, I'm like, okay, it's not what the report said. It's not what we've learned. You know, it's we've learned a lot. Anyway, John Solomon is with us. He's he's been pouring through these now declassified files in the final days of Trump's presidency. Uh, with apparently some update uh, here, John Solomon. Yes, Sean, good to be with you. Listen, these documents are amazing. I've said it before. These are to, I think, FBI integrity, what the Pentagon Papers were to the um, Vietnam War. Every time you read them, you discover something else. I was just reading and preparing for your show today, this incredible jewel that's in, around the time that you, uh, where McCabe is meeting with Rosenstein right after Comey's fired. And out of the blue, I just read it for the first time, the first time I've ever seen this, uh, Rosenstein tells McCabe, uh, right after Comey's fired, that the president didn't fire him just because of Russia. He had intended to fire him all along, going back to January when they first came into office. He didn't think that Comey was a good FBI director. Why is that significant? We, we gave a predicate to Special Counsel Mueller 
to investigate the firing of uh, James Comey as obstructing the Russia investigation, when in fact the contemporaneous evidence now shows the idea to fire Comey started long before Russia. Uh, just every time we read these documents, we're going to learn something new about just how misled we were, how much deception in the official uh, annals of government uh, was carried out, and, and how uh, often the president was mistreated uh, uh, by false facts. I mean, time and time again, a false narrative was pointed, uh, put out there, and the exculpatory facts were always hidden by the bureaucrats, by the key players in Congress, and we're only now getting the truth four years later. It's, it's incredible. Well, what's frustrating is guys like Durham, he's had access to this information the whole time, has he not? He has, absolutely. He knows everything. This is low-hanging fruit, John. This is not complicated stuff here. It's not. I've you know, if we're going to prosecute General Flynn for a perjury trap where, where I sent them in something I wouldn't do in the Bush or Obama administrations, and even the FBI agents didn't think it was lying, but they send a, send, sign this paper that says you, you lied even though we didn't think you lied, or we're going to go after your son and your family. That's right. Listen, we're going to release in the next couple of days a new document. It's going to be the transcript of Carter Page talking to an FBI informant two months before they seek the FISA warrant. Two months before. The FBI knew from that in interaction with Carter Page that Carter Page was not someone who had changed the Republican platform to help Russia. He said he wasn't involved in it. He was not someone that was trying to get Hillary Clinton's emails. All the allegations that Christopher Steele had put in his uh, dossier were already debunked by an undercover informant wearing a wire, catching Carter Page, unaware that he was talking to an FBI informant, making statements that were exculpatory, statements of innocence. And the FBI, when you read this transcript, and then you look at what the FBI did in the subsequent application, you realize knowingly, willfully, multiple members of the FBI misled the FISA court. It's not even in doubt anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's, and look, when we say premeditated fraud, is that now we know from these documents in these final days, declassification, that in fact, they had interviewed Christopher Steele early on, and Steele admitted the reason he was pushing the dossier was to distract on behalf of Hillary Clinton's campaign because he hated Trump. You know, hence we can go back to August of 2016 and the warning even by Bruce Orr that he's got a political agenda and that he's tied to the Clinton and Clinton's paying for this crap. Uh, and that even the subsource in January of 2017, they all knew and still Comey put his signature on three of the four warrants. Rod Rosenstein, the final one, which is inexplicable to me because everybody knew by then it was a, a, a at that point was a hoax. And still they went forward with even the charging uh, dictates Rosenstein of Robert Mueller. Yep, it's, it's just remarkable. And, you know, you look at it, uh, yeah, as I go through these notes, you see Rod Rosenstein really appears in the FBI notes to be such a weak character. There's a moment in the conversations with Andy McCabe where McCabe writes this down later in his own note, because it's McCabe's version of events. But he said that at one point, uh, uh, Rosenstein pulled him aside and said, would you reach out to the fired James Comey and find out if he thinks it's a good idea to name a special prosecutor? Why would you reach out to the man you just helped fire? Remember, Rosenstein wrote the termination memo and the grounds for termination, which, by the way, were substantiated later by the IG. James Comey was fired for good reason, for misconduct in the Hillary Clinton email case, and now obviously for misconduct in the, the Russia case. But why would you, Rod Rosenstein, be so uncertain of yourself that you're reaching out to the guy you just fired? You look at the cast of characters that carried out this uh, silly Russia collusion thing, and you realize that it was the perfect storm of bad managers, 
politically biased managers, in some cases corrupt managers, uh, carrying out a political dirty trick that should never have happened. All right, John, we look forward to the the transcript of Carter Page. His life was ruined. Papadopoulos's life was ruined. Uh, Flynn's life was ruined. Stone's life was ruined. Manafort's uh, life was ruined. And everybody on their side gets away scot-free so far. Uh, do you, last question. Do you have any faith in, in the Durham report yet? Or have you lost faith like I have? I mean, I'm just, I'm, it shocks the conscience. All that we knew, all that we've proven, incontrovertible evidence everywhere. Nothing happens, ever. Nothing ever happens. Why? Yeah, it's, well, time and again, we saw people like McCabe walk away, despite, you know, overwhelming evidence of mis- uh, giving false statements. I think there, I have 100% confidence that John Durham is engaged right now in a very serious criminal investigation that looks to be building indictments against a small number of people. Do we know if I grand have, juries have convened? Yeah, there are grand juries and there are grand jury activities and there are even fights before the judges about uh, grand jury compliance with subpoenas and other issues. That's what slowed down some of this. But that said, the fact that there are plenty of signs of, of a criminal investigation, one has to wonder why it's been so slow. Some of the lawyers that I've showed this evidence to over the last few weeks, they said, listen, I could make a, I could make a criminal case with this with a first-year law student who doesn't have any pass the bar yet. They couldn't understand why it's taken so much time. But let's see. Uh, the evidence that I'm seeing in reporting, talking to sources, is there's a very active investigation. I hear the same thing, but I'm kind of tired of, of I know. telling my audience something that should have happened a long time ago. Is, and sure. I, you know, you keep hearing it's coming, coming, coming. Like waiting it never, for it never happens. All right, John yep. Solomon, thank you as always. 800 941 Sean, our number. Get to our phones. We'll get uh, a lot more time in our final hour today. Uh, for those of you being so patient, uh, let us say hi to Mike is in California. Mike, hi. How are you? Glad you called, sir. By the way, New York is about to surpass California as the highest tax state in New York City in the entire world. Congratulations to New York, and sorry you're now number two. We're headed towards number we'll two. We'll take it. Yeah, we'll <laughs> take it. They can, they, can, they can take number one. Hey, thanks for uh, letting me on your show. I want to talk about proving this election fraud legally. Um, Sean, when you start at the bottom, we have all this stuff. You're just talking to John Solomon. Um, everybody's growing frustrated. Nothing's happening at the top. They're turning it into a political thing. Let's go to the bottom. Let's go to the boots in the ground. Let's, anybody that was seen with these eyewitnesses, we have tons of eyewitnesses. We have tons of video. We have all this evidence. Anybody that was seen breaking the election laws, file a civil lawsuit against that person individually. Start at the bottom, work our way up. That's what they did with Nixon. Start at the bottom, they worked their way up. They got Let me ask for you a question. Fraud and cover up. Yes. Okay. You know all of the people that signed affidavits under penalty of perjury. Besides this show, can you think of any show on radio or TV that, that put the, the eyewitness whistleblowers and listened to what they saw and what they said? Absolutely nobody. Traffic. And you can did, did, did and I know shows like the Great Ones and 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 Rush and uh, there's a couple of us on Fox. Uh, you know, besides the few of us, you know, were there many people talking about Wisconsin law, the Pennsylvania Constitution, the consent agreement in Georgia, and all these other issues surrounding us, except for us? Oh, no, sure. nobody. No. And and nobody. who and, and we get the living crap beaten out of us. And right. this is this hey, gets to the heart of this information crisis we have. Mike, I mean, we're all bleeding to get the truth out here. If you want to know the truth, it's not. I, I, if there's more we can do, you tell me. But we're trying, and it seems like they don't really give a flying. You know what? Here's where you and your audience come in, Sean. 
We need to support, encourage, and fund this legal effort. We need to find the funding mechanisms for these attorneys, start new ones, build a, build a fund. Uh, help, we're not helpless here. Americans, listen, start this at the bottom and work your way up. This will win this first case. Prove in one court, one time, one case that there was election fraud and see where it goes from there. You'll win two, you'll win three, you'll win other states. Then you're going to get to the cover-up. What do you think these people are going to do if they're going to be held personally responsible for, for uh, their actions? Once they realize that, what are they going to do? They're going to tell you who told them to do it. Who told me to put Listen, that the only thing there? I can promise you, Mike, and, and, and I, I hear where you're coming from. Nobody even wanted to hear them. But with that said, what you said to me is correct. You never stop pursuing the truth. That's why we had John Solomon on. I'm, I'm, I am discouraged after everything that we know took place and all the crimes that were committed by many top people that we still haven't gotten where we need to go. But I'm not going to stop. You just, I, I believe me, we're doing it every single minute, hour of every day, and I'm not going to stop. And nor should any of you in this audience. This, that we will, listen, there's an ebb and flow to cycles, political cycles. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We're going to talk about freedom of speech and cancel culture, which, by the way, this is all going to come back to the left one day. Quick break. Right back. Stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload. All right, news roundup, information overload, toll free. It's 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. As you're watching, well, let me start with this. As you're watching the coverage of all things Biden and all the fawning and the worship and the adulation, as I said the other day, you know, that thrill up the leg thing is is back and, and, and on steroids and human growth hormone. Remember this tough question, Jeff Zeleny to Obama? Remember this? During these first 100 days, what has surprised you the most Mm. about this office, enchanted you the most about serving in this office, humbled you the most, and troubled you the most? Uh, Let me write this down. (laughs) Surprised? uh, Troubled? I've got, uh, what what was the first one? Surprised? Surprised? Troubled? Troubled? Enchanted? Enchanted, And humbled. And what was the last one? Humble? Humble. Thank you, sir. Surprised, enchanted, humble, troubled you the most. Sir, now that you're president, what is... Okay, let's go back and take a trip down memory lane. How did they treat Trump when he got in office in 2017? This image posted by Vox shows the 2009 inauguration of now former President Obama on the left and Trump's inauguration where they're on the right with far fewer spectators. He said today, America first. It was not just the racial, I mean, the, I shouldn't say racial, the Hitlerian uh, background to it. There were some pockets of protests, some clashes with police. More than 200 people were arrested. Uh, but the crowds for the inauguration appeared to be uh, smaller than they were uh, four years ago. American carnage. Not the medal tour, but the presidential inaugural address theme. Bang your head. A lot of Americans proverbially did that today. He basically took the hide off everybody sitting on that platform. We're going to be unpacking this speech for, uh, it'll take us the rest of the day to get around to this. I'm not quite sure I've ever heard any inauguration speech quite like this. Oh, amazing. A little different than enchanted, humbled, troubled, surprised you. And we're already getting the fawning beginning over Biden. Just just to bring you up to date, how things change very quickly in the swamp. Those lights that are that are just shooting out from the Lincoln Memorial uh, along the reflecting pool. I look it's like almost extensions of Joe Biden's arms embracing 
America. Joe Biden today, certainly he was commander in chief, but he was also papa in chief. Here is a man who gave Americans permission to feel good about who we are and what we can become again. This was just such a breath of fresh air uh, that we desperately needed. He is the better angel president. Joe Biden believes he's, he's eternally optimistic. He's not cynical. It ended with a feeling of hope springing eternal. Today's inauguration felt more like a church service. Like a priest explaining something from the Bible or something. I'm breaking it down for you so we can all have a common language and a common understanding. Like after a good sermon, the congregation doesn't want to go home, right? People are still hugging, shaking hands. He also used this moment to attempt to reclaim truth. Particularly for all of us as journalists, it was really resonant to hear the president say, you know, this is about defending the truth and defeating the lies. 71% of Americans right now believe that democracy itself is in peril. I, you know, I just could go on and on and on. I don't even have enough time to play it all. Lights around the Lincoln Memorial is like Biden is wrapping his arms and embracing all of America. Steve uh, Krakauer, editor, fourthwatchmedia.com. Joe Concha, Fox News contributor, columnist for The Hill. Uh, Joe, you actually, I think it was you that had the good column about the five major examples of of media, the media being sycophantic in Biden's inauguration week. I I think we might have topped you there. (laughs) Well, I only had finite space, Sean. So, uh, yeah, I could have gone at least into 50 examples instead of five. But, you know, you've got to pick and choose in these situations. But it's interesting. You brought up David uh, Chalian before. He is the political director for CNN, and he's the one who has that now infamous quote saying that the lights at the Washington Mall were like Joe Biden's arms embracing uh, America. Remember, this is the same uh, Chalian. I don't know if you remember this, but from the 2012 Republican National Convention said and was caught on a hot mic saying that Republicans were rooting for black people to drown because a hurricane was bearing down on the convention, and he was fired as political director of Yahoo News at the time. So, of course, it only makes sense that CNN would hire him and and actually promote him to be their head of their political unit, which uh, obviously uh, is is overwhelmingly biased uh, for Joe Biden and against uh, anything that that resembles a a conservative. But but overall, I mean, we we saw just example after example last week, uh, particularly, and I I hate to go to CNN again, but they, they just provided so many examples uh, where their head of global communications, all right, so this is a senior executive, actually said while posting a picture of fireworks going off at over the Washington Monument saying that our foes will be shaken by this fireworks display, which I'm pretty sure China, Russia, and ISIS aren't watching us uh, launch fireworks with Katy Perry singing and saying, oh my goodness, we're in trouble now. So uh, I could go on and on, but I want to give the floor to Steve because I'm sure he has some pretty good examples as well. Steve, I mean, you just watch it. And, you know, people don't believe it. You know, I don't know. I mean, it's been the most hostile environment ever. I got to give myself a little pat on the back. I declared journalism was dead all the way back in 2007, but I knew it before then. I just didn't put a name to it. Your thoughts? Yeah. No, I I mean, it's, it's, it's only more clear 
now in the last, say, you know, few weeks, months, because of the way the pendulum has swung so far in the other direction over the last four years during the Trump presidency. I mean, you know, on one hand, and I, I've written this, you know, at Fourth Watch, I, I think that there there are some good lessons to be learned from the Trump era. You want a press that's going to be adversarial with power. You want them to be a check on power. Now, they went completely off the deep end, and, and in this over-massive, you know, this administration is evil. But then when the pendulum swings back the other way, and we're seeing this, and we're seeing this softness and this, you know, friendliness to it, it's just so jarring and just so clear about the bias that you're talking about, which really has been there for 15, 20 years, but it's only more obvious now when it's contrasted with the last four years. Well, and then when you add this whole cancer culture to everything that is, if you don't fully, completely agree, if you are a conservative, you know, now it's become Joe Concha. Are you, have you ever been a supporter of Donald J. Trump? 75 million Americans voted for the guy. And we heard two hosts last week on MSNBC talking about the debathification of the Republican Party and conservatives in general. What does debathification mean? That's from 2003. And if you were remotely associated with Saddam Hussein's bath party, you should never work in government again. You shouldn't work in any uh, capacity ever again. So uh, these people were sidelines. And then that, that seems to be the effort now, uh, not just with Trump administration officials, which is wrong enough, but then even I, I, I know people that say, hey, look, I, I support President Trump, but I would never put that on social media because I'm afraid my employer may Maybe looking at my social media feed or somebody that I work with who may have voted for the other guy, and then I'm going to get reported as being this Trump person who supports, uh, you know, riots at the Capitol, and maybe I don't get that promotion, or maybe I even lose my job. And that's how scary it is out there right now, where people are scared just to share their opinions. Uh, but speaking of opinion, you know, we're seeing more and more now a coverage where you have opinion that's leaking into the news pages of places like the New York Times, and even uh, just this weekend they ran. Uh, this piece in their news uh, item, so it wasn't, it wasn't actually an op-ed, ranking presidents by, quote, most religiously observant, and then putting Joe Biden at the top of that list uh, by saying that with Biden, a different, more liberal Christianity is ascendant. And then they go on to, to list all the things uh, that, that, is, that show that he is the most religious president that we've had in 50 years, and not Jimmy Carter, who was the last pro-life Democratic president, who still supports that to this, to this day, by the way. He hasn't switched. And obviously George W. Bush, who put that uh, on display many times as well. So at this point, it's as if the New York Times is serving as an extension of the Biden communications team instead of just, to Steve's point, holding the powerful accountable regardless of fear or favor to party. You know, uh, Josh Hawley, you'll be on Hannity tonight, uh, Steve. You know, he's got this book that he's been working on, and, and he lost his book deal, believe it or not, and which is unbelievable to me. He loses his book deal. Then they try to throw him and Ted Cruz out of the Senate using the 14th Amendment. Uh, and they impeach a president with snap impeachment, although facts are beginning to emerge. This was all pre-planned, which counters the, the exact language in the impeachment article. Snap impeachments. Why you don't have snap judgments. You have due process. Um, uh, but the idea now, apparently, if you look at your social credit score, if you are you have you ever been a conservative? Do you have a, a, an opinion that is out of touch? You know, Glenn Glean, Greenwald actually rightly pointed out you guys may be next unless the, unleash this monster of cancel. One day it's going to come for you. Um, oh, yeah, that's uh, yeah. true. 
Oh, 100%. I mean, I think that this is where, this is the really dangerous territory we're getting to. I mean, look, I, when, when President Trump was permanently suspended from Twitter, I, I think it was a massive overreaction, and I think that we're going to see major ramifications from that. But look, he's the President of the United States. Ted, Ted Cruz, Josh Hawley, they're prominent figures. They'll find a platform. Let me tell you something. Though this is just the beginning, because as you, as you point out, what's what's really concerning is there are forces in the quote unquote liberal media that are cheerleaders for this sort of tech censorship that we're seeing now and this crackdown that's happening not just on prominent figures but on any individual person that expresses a point of view that's not. Hey, Rick, I, I'm that. sorry, uh, Steve. Let me play you what Rick Wilson said. I want you. To, I, I bet you guys haven't heard this yet. I, I want to play it for both of you. This whiny victimhood from Matt Gates and Ken Buck and Jim Jordan and Marjorie Taylor Cuckoo QAnon Green and all these other people. It is the most pathetic example of special pleading I've ever seen. They act as if they've been oppressed somehow, that the world is against them somehow. Well, guess what? Twitter and Facebook aren't banning you because you're a conservative. They're banning you because you suck. They're banning you because you say evil They're banning you because you support a revolution against the government of this country and a free and fair election. This is the most remarkable thing about this to me is all these tough guy swagger monkeys who act like they're the big, you know, alpha males. They're whining and and moaning about Kathy Griffith holding up an anime, a a mannequin head or Nancy Pelosi tearing up a piece of paper. Come on, guys, toughen up. That's Rick Wilson, Steve. Um, You know, justifying supporting you're being canceled by big tech because you suck well is that the reason they didn't run the hunter biden story and they they literally buried it to help joe biden oh yeah i mean look rick wilson you know is going to uh is going to not be happy when when it comes for him because i i guarantee this is not where it's going to end you want to look in rick wilson's past who by the way has supported a lot of gop candidates and politicians over the years and, and he goes one wrong move and the cancel culture is going to come for him too and i don't think he's going to like it very much when he's on the other end of it but but like I said, it's not just even the prominent politicians. It's, it's anyone who has a social media account that happens to post something that, that can't, you know, that doesn't have, you know, maybe have 50 followers, 100 followers, cannot defend themselves. The problem is those are the voices that are being amplified right now. They're the Rick Wilsons of the world. And a, a lot of people who are media reporters uh, across the mainstream board are, are supportive of this sort of deplatforming that's happening, not just the prominent figures, but of individuals. And, and when that starts to happen, it's going to be a slippery slope, and we're not going to like where this ends because it's, it's, not, it's just going to keep going and going until someone calls us out and makes it stop. Uh, Joe, we'll give you the 45 seconds for you, 45 for Steve. Where does this end? All of this cancel culture, silence, destroy anybody that dares to disagree with you because it's getting worse than ever. I'm not sure it does end at this point uh, because to Steve's point, you actually have journalists who benefit the most from having free speech and the First Amendment actually calling on individuals to be shut down and even whole networks uh, such as Fox News. You have Margaret Sullivan, Washington Post. She's a media columnist like me, literally sharing media matters, advertiser boycotts with her followers and saying, contact these companies and tell them to take Fox News off the air. That's not journalism anymore. That's activism. And I'll leave it with this number. Axios did a, a poll last week, and it, it, this is stunning. 56% of Americans, so it's not just for Republicans or conservatives, agree with the statement that, quote, journalists and reporters are purposely trying to mislead people by saying they know are false or gross exaggerations. So in other words, it's not just, oh, we got it wrong. It's they're purposely and intentionally misleading their viewers and their readers in order to push an agenda. And that is dangerous, Sean. Final thought, Steve. 
Yeah, if Joe's glass half empty, let me be glass half full here. I, I think that what, there are two stories from the last week that, that give me a minor bit of encouragement. Lauren Wolf, an editor at the New York Times, is a freelance editor, was fired because she tweeted that she got chills when she saw the uh, the, the Air Force or the, uh, the plane landing with Joe Biden becoming president. Obviously, a very clear show of bias, but no different than a lot of other people at CNN or the New York Times do. She got essentially canceled because of that. And then Will Wilkinson, a columnist, also uh, from the left, tweeted that he thought some unity could come by Mike Pence getting lynched. He also got fired from his permanent job. Now, these are bad things. I don't, I don't support necessarily what they say, and they're, not, they're clearly not objectivity that we're seeing there. But that is, the, that is a show of the tide turning, and it's the kind of people that, ha- that care about free speech that goes out and supports them and their friends on the left who seem to say, oh, you know, they, that this is not cancel culture. Well, now they've lost their jobs. And when they start to see who supports them, that's, that's going to be how this thing changes. That's going to, to, to hopefully start to change some minds to say, look, this is going too far, and we need to, to band together to stop this from the left and the right. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it, Steve Krakauer and Joe Concha. When we come back, we're going to hit the phones, final half hour. Uh, speaking of Josh Hawley, Hannity, 9 Eastern tonight. Quick break. Your call's next. Straight ahead. All right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of this extravaganza. All right, let's let's uh, let's get to the phones. All of you have been very, very patient today, and I appreciate your patience. I really do. Uh, Becca is, is it Rebecca or Becca? Becca, Oklahoma. It says Becca on my call screen. What's going on, uh, Becca? How are you? Or Rebecca, if I'm wrong, I apologize. It's Becca, and it's okay. Um, Sean, I was just, I'm a truck driver, and I was wanting to talk about the Keystone. From firsthand what I have seen from delivering products to the job site, the Democrats doing this too was, it's not only the Keystone pipeline workers that's losing their jobs, it's also truck drivers like me that are losing their jobs, and half the time they're small mom and pop outfits that they don't know what they're going to do because of everything. And I'm just praying that they will smarten up for this country and all of us American citizens and keep the pipeline instead of shipping it back overseas. You know, I used to drive a lot more and you're going to have to forgive me when I tell you the truth. here. I'm not going to lie to you. I used to get so annoyed when I drove longer distances, and I don't drive long distances as I used to, as much as I used to. I used to drive a lot, and I always liked driving. But you know, like when you're in the middle of a rainstorm, and one of the 18-wheelers is on in the middle lane and you know going a little bit slower, which is the right thing to do. And at the time, I don't anymore. I had a little bit of a heavier foot. And you're trying in the middle of a rain or a little snow, sleet, whatever it happens to be, you know, pass an 18 wheeler. It'll be like, I can't see. And you got to race past you. And then, you know, as I got, you know, I mean, this is when I'm really young. And then I figured out, you know, everything that I've consumed in my life, I don't care if it's at the grocery store, if it's at Home Depot or Lowe's or everything is because of people like yourself that work mm-hmm. a long, hard hours in what is an extraordinarily hard job, and you deliver every single thing we have. And I used to say during the early days of Corona, if the farmers didn't farm, the manufacturers didn't create the, the PPE, and the truckers didn't truck, New York would have died, literally. There was nothing here without you guys, and you never shut down. And so no, I, I have so much respect for what you do. How long have you been doing it? A fifteen plus years. Wow! And do you like it? Do you enjoy the independence? Do you like being out on the road? I love it. It's 
in my blood. I'm a third generation truck driver, and um, on the standpoint that you made when you know we were in the middle lane and you'd wish most of us do back off where you, little cars can get around us. But sometimes we just watch out for everybody else's safety like I do. If I see somebody trying to back me in a rainstorm, I'm like, okay, go ahead, go for it, and I'll no, back it listen, off. listen, it just, I mean, you know what, I'm just young and stupid at the time. I, it's all my fault, not yours. But I just, when you really stop and think sometimes of, you know, how much, how hard people work. Everybody needs to work and create goods or services that people want, need, and desire. I tell this to my kids all the time, get your ass to work. I don't want to hear it. I, I don't want to hear it. And uh, you're not getting crap from daddy for free. That's that's what I tell them all the time. And they're like looking at me, you're a pain in the neck, dad. And I'm like, yeah, well, too bad. I was a dishwasher. I was a contractor. And I, you know, did 10, 20 years of my life re- doing real work. This is a lot easier. So I just admire it. But I agree with everything you're saying. You know, when, when what was his name? Pete Buttigieg, Mr. Mayor with so much experience when Pete Buttigieg came out and said, well, we'll just have to get another, we want them to get another union job. They have high paying union jobs. COVID hurt us bad last year. We had a lot of projects canceled. So we've got guys that haven't worked in months and in some cases years. And uh, to have a project of this magnitude canceled, it's, it's gonna hurt a lot of people, a lot of families, uh, a lot of communities. The, the Keystone is something that's we've been trying to build for a decade now and uh, uh, it's been a, a really hot political, uh, you know, fight. Uh, but we finally got started on it this year. I was working in Nebraska building a, a pump station. But, uh, you know, as soon as the, the new administration came in on day one, they decided they want to put 11,000 people out of work. Uh, basically, it was the moment that he signed uh, the executive order. You know, it was about 2 o'clock Thursday when we were told that we're not going to progress any further, but we t- took a couple of days packing our stuff up, and uh, we actually got laid off Friday, and I'll be taking my unemployed self back to Arkansas in the morning. <laughs> because of the situation the country's in right now, uh, this is not a time to be making political statements. Uh, we need to be finding ways to put more Americans back to work, not the other way around. Uh, so I was I was very surprised. And I don't consider this a job. I consider it a career, and you spend a lifetime, you know, fine-tuning your skills and, and, and advancing yourself. And you go start another job, you're starting at the bottom and trying to work your way up. And we're not talking about men and women that are just out of high school, just starting out in life. We're talking about people that have mortgage payments. Uh, they got kids to feed, insurance to provide. Uh, when you start over in life, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Uh, I doubt that these politicians uh, would like it if someone told them to go start over and find a different job. So for those workers, the answer is somebody else will get a job? The answer is that we are very eager to see those workers continue to be employed in good paying union jobs, even if they might be different ones. I, I mean, what nerve of this guy? He just got a new job with zero experience, may I add. Yeah, I agree with that because Buttigieg, like the rest of the Democrats, don't look at the big picture of this United States. With them shutting down the Keystone Pipeline, right, most of the truck driving jobs will go by the wayside because, like I said, they're small and mom and pa, small and, you know, little bitty outfits, and that's going to take their trucks out of service. 
And well, what is the pipeline people supposed to do? Go flip burgers at McDonald's or listen, wait I, on? I, 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 these, listen, I, knew, I know because we worked with oil companies. We work with them. We partnered with them. A lot of listeners got jobs, but then China and Russia just, you know, in the Middle East undercut our prices and purposely, in my view, put us out of business. Now, by the way, all these Middle Eastern country, countries and Russia, they're going to get rich again, thanks to Biden and, and Kamala Harris. Listen, I, and with all sincerity, I just want to thank you for all you do every day. I have such admiration for you, and you really keep you keep us all you know, eating and getting our medicines and everything, basically all our lumber to build houses and everything else. So God bless what you do and, and stay safe on the road. Okay. Thank you, Sean. And God bless you. And can I say one more thing? Yes, ma'am. My son, my son, Scott worked at the Keystone pipeline. He texted me earlier, mom, I just lost my job. I don't know how I'm going to keep the roof over the boys' heads now. Yeah. And I'm, I, it's, 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 it's horrible. It is horrible, and I tell him, well, just come home. Mom will take care of you for a while, but I'm just Can I move in, too? Because I, I'm, I'm, I need to go back home. Put me back in, in the good old days when I didn't have these worries and understanding of, of how bad I think this is ultimately going to get. But All right, Becca, I'm going to move on. God bless you. Uh, be safe. Uh, Sue is in Alabama. What's up, Sue? How are you? Hi, Sean. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you for calling. Are you... <laughs> I want to get back to the impeachment and how you mentioned revenge. Um, do you think that this is possibly a ploy to strip Trump of his security clearance, his pension, and any other benefits that he would get? As I, the listen, I think it's all office? of the above. It's just they want to continue to to dirty him up, bloody him up, hurt him, and they haven't figured out yet that it only increases the loyalty of his supporters. They, they And the best thing that they could do for themselves, and they'll never do it because Trump is like a drug to them. They need, once you get the addiction of hatred, it's like an opioid. And they wake up every day, they need their fix. And hating Trump every second minute hour of every day is, they, they just, they're not willing to give it up yet. And I, I, I'll predict now they're not going to ever give it up. No, I think they want to destroy him. Yeah. And by the way, they don't particularly like those of us that like him, voted for him and supported him and support him now. They don't. All right, Sue. God bless you. We'll stay in Alabama. Scott, next. How are you, Scott? I'm doing good. How about yourself, Sean? I'm good, sir. What's going on? Uh, My main thing was I just want to know what's up next for Trump. You know, after all this is over, you know, the impeachment thing, if he does get impeached, you know, do you think he's still going to... Well, he's already been impeached. It's a matter of, will you get 17 Republicans to convict him? I don't see it at, at this point at all. And I don't even think yeah. the Democrats see it. And I think it's just going to be a... They're going to put on a show, probably end it as quick as they can, which is about a week. Oh, yeah. It's going to expose a lot, I think, you know, because they're actually going to have to see stuff in the court. But I was like, you know, if they say, you know, he doesn't get impeached on this and this governor's, do you see him campaigning for new senators and just kind of getting... Flip the seats of everyone that betrayed him, you know, didn't back him up on any of this stuff and didn't, you know, take a stand, you know, because, I mean, the voters are mad. I think if he, you know, can keep campaigning for these people and keep, you know, getting us all, you know, like into the things instead of just, you know, backing away and just being like, well, you know what, I did what I could. I'm over this. I'm just going to go live on an island or something somewhere, you know, because he's, you know, or will he, you know, think he's going to spend his time and money kind of 
getting back. You know, look, on a personal level, who as somebody who's known him for, I don't know, 20 some odd ever years, I mean, 25 plus years, I, I would tell you, in my opinion, on a personal level, I'd say, who needs this? I, if it was a friend of mine saying, you know, run for office, I'm like, you must really hate somebody if you ask him to run for president and look what you have to, you go through hell. And this guy's taken nothing but incoming every second of every minute the day he came down the, the escalator at Trump Tower with Melania Trump. And they go after your children and your family and they want to haunt you into the grave and hunt you down and, and get you for something. It's uh, who wants who the hell wants who what good person is going to want to put it on the line like this and put up with this crap. Now, if you're a liberal Democrat, the standards don't apply. And a case in point, if Hunter Biden's last name were Trump, Hunter Trump, I guarantee, you know, everything would have been different for zero experience Hunter. I can promise you. Yeah, I mean, at first I was here thinking this is kind of like Brutus and the Senate and all that with McConnell just kind of turning on him and doing this. But now I'm seeing it's like this is the Lion King. You know, you've got Scar takes over, you got Antifa being the, you know, the hyenas running stuff, and then, you know, he's going to come back in and just clean house. I was told on a conference call with Senate Republicans last week that it was McConnell's, you know, saying. My guess is he, for some reason, what I don't know, my guess is he was just saying, okay, we'll say it too. Meanwhile, the investigation hasn't even been done. And, and, you know, the New York, I'm sorry, the Washington Post and New York and fake news CNN, they're all saying, oh, all the evidence, according to investigators and court documents now filed show that a lot of this was planned. Well, then that immediately mitigates the argument that this was a riot incited by the words of Donald Trump. And when you actually look at the words of Donald Trump, it's very clear that he said many of you will peacefully and patriotically march to the Capitol so your voices will get heard. By the way, a far crime, you know, that is going to be held to pay uh, when Chucky Schumer's on the steps of the Supreme Court. You won't know what hit you. Uh, or Senator, uh, I guess, Vice President Harris claiming you're not going to stop. They shouldn't stop. We shouldn't stop. This is after the precinct was burned to the ground in Minneapolis and the riots occurred there. And then the bail fund for the people involved in, in that, quote, insurrection, their favorite word now. So all of that, if I'm a Republican, I'd be playing the crap out of it during the any this trial if they don't get it dismissed on a motion to dismiss it, you know, which pro- I guess they'll probably fall short. Romney's already sin- indicated he's all in for this, this shift show, as usual, won't hold uh, any Democrat to the same standard. But, you know, that's him. That's predictable. Just, I guess Lisa Murkowski and let me see who else. Maybe Ben Sass. Uh, maybe one or two others. I don't know. I, I don't really see it going any further than that. I think there'll be a motion to dismiss once it's convened. My guess is as of today, it'll be, I don't know, 45, 6, 7, somewhere in there. Not enough to dismiss. And then they'll go forward with the shift show, and they're probably going to try and expedite it. It'll be done in a week, about a week. Is I'm, Again, I'm guessing, but I think I have. it's a pretty good, educated guess on my part. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern on the Fox News Channel, the dangers of cancel culture. We'll get into that. Senator Josh Hawley. I mean, what they've tried to do to him and Ted Cruz is unbelievable. Uh, Newt Gingrich on all things radical leftist socialist agenda. Also, Matt Gage, Joe Concha on the media. They l- literally want every conservative canceled. They better figure out people want to cancel them. Also, Dan Bongino, you're going to meet Neil 
Crabtree. Laid off Keystone XL worker. Wonder how he's feeling about his job prospects in this economy. I bet not very good. And uh, we'll talk to him and find out what life is really like for people uh, under this ridiculous plan. Anyway, 9 Eastern, Hannity Fox, thanks for being with us. We'll see you tonight at 9, back here tomorrow.